And we're going to continue. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, you can turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 6. So we'll get everyone back to their seats. We want to jump right in. And everything we're going to talk about this morning flows together right from our worship time together and the songs to the words or the words to the songs and everything that everybody uh, shared through the various ones through Barb and Adam and others who came and just shared what I believe God was saying to them, and it fits right in and really prepares the way for what we're going to speak about this morning. And I want to start really with a quick review, because I know uh, we missed last Sunday because of the storm, and so once again, my name's Joe Crummy, one of the leaders here, and we've been doing a series in the new year on the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, and we've been learning about the Holy Spirit being Uh, the third person of the Godhead, third person of the Trinity, and how important he is in all of history, really, from before creation all the way through, right to present day, and then the future. And if you go to our website, if you've missed any of the messages, the review I'm going to do, the messages are there, I encourage you. It's easy just to go on, to listen to them. Uh, I missed the one two weeks ago. I was in Prince Edward Island at the Charlottetown Church, and that week I was able to hear the message from Gary. The notes are up there as well, so there's lots of material there for you to be able to take, learn, apply to uh, your lives. And we started out about who is the Holy Spirit. We started out looking at what it is that the Holy Spirit does. One of the most important things he does is he causes us to be born again, to be born in Christ and what we call regeneration. The Holy Spirit takes that which is dead and he awakens us to the reality of Jesus. He empowers us. He comes to live in us. And we talked about baptism in the Spirit, how he comes and he uh, lives in us, that we're marked, that we have a deposit guaranteeing what is to come, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit and what it is to be filled and to be empowered and to be enabled, that we don't have to live this life on our own. We have the Holy Spirit now living in us to help us live our lives for Jesus. And that led us into Brent from a couple of weeks ago talking about holiness and about being what it is to be holy and the whole part of that of being there's a legal part, there's a whole other part of being the process of being made holy. And I forgot about Gary's in there that he gives us the spirit of adoption that we're brought into the family of God. So it's an incredible thing to be a Christian. It's not just sort of Oh, I was born in a Christian country. Oh, my family is Christian. Oh, my grandparents went to church. That's not what we're talking about. Being a Christian is the most radical thing that can ever happen to you. Thank you. We've got three Christians here who've been radically changed. And depending upon where you're coming from, either if you were brought up in the church, I was brought up in the church, and so sometimes I forget what a radical thing it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a radical thing. You go from death to life. You go from being separated from God to being in the family of God. You go from no hope to hope. It's a radical thing. And one of the things as we take a look at this morning that I want to take a look at, there's just a bit of the review because the things we're going to talk about this morning, and I've just mentioned them, and we took time to talk about what it is to be justified when we become a Christian, when we receive salvation, that we put our trust and our hope and faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. He pays the penalty for our sin. He sets us free from the power of sin. He deals with the pollution of sin. He removes the partition between us and God from sin, that's all, you learn all that at the Alpha course. That's my plug for the Alpha course to learn more about Christianity. That we're justified. And what do we mean by that? It means we're not guilty. So every week in the Gleaner, there's all kinds of articles in the Gleaner saying, in the courts, either this person is guilty or they're not guilty. And if they're not guilty, they've been justified. They get to go free. And legally speaking, regards to sin, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're justified. We're not guilty anymore. Jesus took our guilt and our condemnation and our shame, and he paid the price. And not only that, he gives us his right standing with us. So Adam read out that verse from Romans 5, that our debt's been paid, but not only that, he's given us his bank account, his righteousness. We're justified. Folks, that's an incredible thing, and that's legal standing. That is truth. Now, with that 
comes this whole thing of being sanctified, sanctification. What do we mean by that? Such big words, and we're just trying to break them down. Sanctification is a couple of things. Legally, once you are saved and yet you're in Christ, you are holy. You're like God because you're a child of God. So legally, you are holy. But as we know, in everyday life, there's a process that happens where we become more like Jesus. And our thought patterns change, and our habits change, and we get free from some addictions and wrong ways of thinking. And all that is every day happening, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And sanctification, that's this whole thing of being set apart. And we had a great talk at our life group this week about sanctification. What it means is we're set apart from the world, from the devil, and we're set apart to be used for God's purposes. So you don't just get saved to become a free agent and say, oh, I'm not to the devil or sin anymore. I'm on my own now. No, you are now used for God's purpose. You're available for God's, you're set apart for God's purposes. That's part of being sanctified. And it's a process. Now here's what we got into our life group, which was great discussion. And here's what I hear sometimes in conversation is, what part do I play in being sanctified? Or do I play a part at all? Is it just let go and let God? God will do everything, let go and let God. Or is it, I got to work? And we can get confused on those two things. And what I hope today is to flesh out that it's both. And with all this good news, and this should apply to every single person here, if we're saved, if we're sanctified, if we're justified, if we've been given the Holy Spirit, if all this is true, then sometimes why does my life suck, to put it really bluntly? Honestly, you've got to ask yourselves that question. Okay, if Jesus set me free from sin, I don't feel like I'm set free from sin. I feel like I still got a lot of addictions. Even if no one else knows it, I know in, inside I got some lust and pride and I got a whole bunch of stuff going on, even if no one else knows it. And I'm supposed to be free from sin, but yet I still struggle with these things. Something must be wrong with me. I must not really be a Christian. That's sometimes what we say. And so this morning, this applies to everybody because, folks, if our theology and our understanding of Christ and our Christian beliefs and all, if it doesn't affect everyday life, we're missing something. So this morning, whatever it is you might deal with, you've got to have that in your head. It's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because some of us don't struggle with some areas. Ah, I don't have a problem with alcohol, so, you know, I can just, you know, it doesn't really apply to me, so what's the big deal? Someone struggles with alcohol? I don't understand. I don't struggle. What's the big deal? But for the person who struggles with alcohol, it's a big deal. I don't struggle with putting on weight. I don't understand body image. I don't understand all these people who have all these things and voices telling me you shouldn't eat that and then go throw up and do all these things. I don't, I don't understand it. Oh, yeah. Well, the person struggling with anorexia or bulimia, it's a big deal. And I can go through porn. I can go through lying, gambling, stealing. I can go through every one. And I bet you there's someone here who could put their hand up to every one of those things. And now that I have your attention, what I'm saying this morning should affect every one of those things. So this is really important here this morning. Every Sunday is important, but this is application. And I, this is what I don't want you to think. I don't want you to think this does not apply to me. This applies to you and applies to me. So whatever your struggle might be, outwardly, inwardly, I want to try to help you this morning. I want to try to help you understand how it is that Jesus sets us free and keeps us free. But we've got to know some things. And this is one of the most important things you, you should know here this morning, that you have to know here this morning, or else you won't clue in. First of all, you've got to know that you're in a battle, folks. You're in a battle. You're not in Switzerland Okay. No offense to Jean-Luc. Are you from Switzerland, Jean-Luc? Sorry, Jean-Luc. Except for Jean-Luc, who's from Switzerland. You think you're neutral. You think, I can choose evil or I can choose God. You're already fooled. You're in a battle. And the Bible says this. You're either on the Lord's side or you're not. And the world tells us, you just be a good person, and if you're a good person, you're neutral. And the Bible says things like, you're enslaved to sin. 
You're dead in sin. And most people don't even know or even aware of those things. When you become a Christian, guess what, folks? You're still in a battle. And this is what I hear all the time in pastoral care. I became a Christian. I thought my life would be easy. I thought it would be, I'm on the yellow brick road now. I'm on the yellow brick road. God's put me on his path. I'm following Jesus now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be easy. We're going to heaven. It's going to be great. Hope I didn't knock over anything. <laughs> Folks, that's a lie. So if you don't realize you're in a battle, you won't realize this is going to be tough. Now, there's good news. I got lots of great news, but you got to wake up to the reality of, that we're in a battle. And these are the three things we're battling all the time. So I have to explain this before we get to the application you're in a battle against a worldly way of thinking. See, we have a culture here in North America, and whatever culture you come from, it's the same principle. There's a worldly way of thinking that wants to shape your values and your identity and your priorities, and that affects your time, your money, your relationships, everything, your identity, everything. And I can give example after example after example of how the world shapes our thinking, so that becomes our normal. And that there's a battle going on. And you've heard me say it over and over again, and I say it again because it's true. You have advertisement companies spending billions of dollars trying to get your time and money, my time and money, to say, you need this in order to feel important, to be satisfied, to look good, to be popular. And it filters down to everything, the clothes we wear, the makeup, you can go through anything. There's a battle going on, and the world says, you need to be this way. And if you don't realize that's going on, then we're ignorant, aren't we? There's a battle going on with our flesh. Our flesh is our own, how do I say this, sort of sinful cravings that want to put me first over God. So that goes into our eating that goes into what we watch on TV, on the internet. It's that whatever is in us that's independent of God that says, I want this now. I need this now. And the Bible says that we can feed our flesh. And if we feed our flesh, guess who's going to have control? Our flesh. Or we can crucify our flesh and not feed it. So I'm going to give you some tools in a minute, but I want you to understand there's a worldly way of thinking. It affects our brain. Okay? And I use this illustration. I'm going to use it again to make sure you're with me. What does the world say about why you need an education? Someone shouted out. Why do you need to get a good education from a world point of view? To get a good job, and why do you need to get a good job? To make lots of money, and why do you need lots of money? To buy lots of stuff, and why do you need to buy lots of stuff? To feel good and make you happy. You all know it. (laughs) But do you realize, do you stop and say, okay, why am I getting an education? It's not a bad thing. Getting an education, I'm all for it. But you got to ask yourself the question, why am I getting an education? As opposed to, God, what do you want to do with my life? And if you want to do something with my life, then maybe I need to be trained to be for your purposes and plans. And I don't know if Matt's here uh, Piemonte. Is Matt here today? No. I, I can use him then because he's not here to be embarrassed. Matt's uh, a doctor and he's in here doing his two-year residence. And to talk to Matt, he's becoming a doctor because he's like, I feel like that's what God wants me to do and I'm going to do it to be able to help people. And he's looking at doing things in poorer parts of the world and all of that as opposed to becoming a doctor to be rich and famous and the lifestyle that can go with it. Not against doctors who... But do you see the difference? There's a big difference between those two things. So the world, the flesh is, flesh is like, I want it now. I want it now. So porn, I want it now. That's your flesh. And if you feed your flesh, that that voice is going to get louder and louder and louder. And you have the devil behind it all. We have a real devil. We have a real devil who has lots of demons and unclean spirits and evil spirits that are trying to take you out. And Jesus said, John 10, the devil comes to rob and to kill and to destroy. And the devil does it in such a way that, as Don Smith has said to us many times when he's been here, it's like he makes sin like a spiral staircase. You never see the ending. 
So he promises this, but you never see the outcome of that. So he promises you self-gratification right away, instant pleasure, but he doesn't tell you the ruin that's going to come at the end from what you did way back here. And we have a real devil who lies and cheats. He blinds. He condemns. He's the accuser. He's the tempter. So folks, I don't want to scare you, but I do want to wake us up that there is a battle going on for your life, for your soul, every day. Now the context of singing, God, you are stronger, and the songs we're singing about take on a different meaning when you realize you're in a battle. So when we say, your grace is enough, grace is enough because sin is everywhere, and Satan wants to take me out, and the world, the flesh, and the devil a lot of times, especially on Monday morning, are coming at me 100 miles an hour, and God, I need your grace, your power to choose life. It's not just singing a nice song. It's life or death. That's the context. I'm trying to make sure you're paying attention for the next half hour, okay? You got to know. You got to know. You got to know you're in a battle. And this is the other thing you need to know. You need to know God's role and our role. So God's role is this. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. He needed to provide a savior, so he sent Jesus. So the provision for salvation is Jesus is there for us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has provided his Holy Spirit to us so that he empowers us to live a life that pleases him. He, didn't, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to help you. God provides all these different things. He provides salvation, the gift of his Holy Spirit. He provides a family. He gives you truth. He gives you his word. He gives you community. He provides all these things that we can't do on our own. It's God's provision. So when people say, well, I can't really do anything. God has to do it. Yes, on one hand, that is exactly true. God provides. But you need to know your role as well. And this is what we're going to flesh out. Is the Bible's full of commands that say, like, train your minds for action. That's what Peter says. If you read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, it's in there all the time. He says this, train your minds for action. Whoa, whoa, what do you mean train? I thought it was just let go and let God. I thought I'd just sort of osmose everything into me. No, Peter says you got to train your minds, set them on heavenly things, not earthly things. Paul, it's all, Paul's like, he uses, it's great, Paul uses all these athletic ones. He's like, you got to prepare, you got to train. He uses all these different war ones. You got to be ready, you got to be alert, you got to flee from this. There's a whole lot of commands in there that say, like, we have a part to play. And what happens is, we get confused. Sometimes we try to do what only God can do, and it, does, it ain't working. And then we forget to do the part that we're supposed to do, and we say, well, God, where are you? I thought you were supposed to do it all. And what both lead to is confusion, frustration, discouragement. And a lot of times we give up. It's just too hard. And we're defeated. And so if we're Christians, we're defeated. And sometimes we don't even get to believe Christ because we just say, what's the point? And there is good news for us here this morning. And we need to go through this good news. Let's continue. First of all, I just want to read this passage from Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says, and you kind of got to read Ephesians 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 is verses 1 to 10 to get to the finally. But I'm going to jump in. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on. What's it say? I can't hear you. Put on. Do you see his strength, what God does, and put on our part. It's everywhere. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. He continues, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert 
with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. And Brent's going to pick up the two parts next week about prayer and the whole proclamation that Paul is going to continue to speak on from that passage. So here's my first point. I only have two points this morning because they're both so rich, I couldn't fit a third one in, which you know was very unusual for me. So you get two this morning. First one is this. We have to remain in the truth. And this is a famous quote from Jesus from John chapter 8. And Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide or if you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, a lot of times that that little phrase, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, that gets put into songs and rap songs and everything, and they don't, there's no context. Jesus said it first, and he means a whole lot by it if you read John chapter 8. Our whole point is this, that Jesus is truth. And I already quoted it, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And to remain, this is our part, Paul said, we're, when you've done all that you can do, you stand, we're to remain, and that is this, we're to Keep believing, trusting, and obeying Jesus. It's, I don't know how else to put it. Everything you know about Jesus, when you become a Christian, you put your faith in Christ and everything, it's not just a one-off thing. Keep believing Jesus every single day of your life. Keep trusting him. It's not just head knowledge. It gets put into, do I really trust Jesus? Every single day. Brent and I were talking about this week, and I come from a good Baptist background, and so I grew up with hymns all the time, and most of the time I didn't understand them when I was singing them, but I do now, and they're great hymns, and one of them is this, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I've got some of the Baptist crew over here. <laughs> trust, it's such a simple thing, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. What a great phrase. The world says you need this to be happy. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. It's remaining in Christ. It's going on believing him, knowing him, trusting him, obeying him. It's easy, but it's a battle. Easy in the sense of we should be able to get the concept hard to actually do. How do we do that? He's given us the Word of God, which is truth. It's God's revelation of Himself to us in written form. The Bible says we read in Hebrews last year, it's living and active. It's the pillar of truth, Paul says. God speaks to us. He reveals. He gives us wisdom for salvation. It makes us wise. All these different things. And it tells us this. It tells us the truth about sin, about Jesus, salvation, identity, our purpose, and eternity. Because I would say in our culture, in my pastoral care and, and talking to people, the biggest thing that people don't understand is sin. It, that's the biggest thing. If you don't understand sin, then you don't understand the need for Jesus. You don't understand even talking about holiness. You don't understand anything. Because we come from a whole thing of sin is the reason why the world is in a terrible place. Everything from the ozone to poverty, everything, it's sin. It's people's pride. It's people misusing, people abusing, people not being good stewards of money, time, their resources, all that. And Jesus said this about sin in John 8 as well. Jesus, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin which kind of cuts against the 60s Jesus groovy peace love and smoking a joint, doesn't it? Because <laughs> a lot of times that's what people think of Jesus. They think peace, love. And Jesus says, I truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free you will be free indeed. Another great kind of quote that gets used in all kinds of things. The sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. What's he setting you free from? He's setting you free from sin. Because the Bible says, if 
we sin, and that can be breaking God's commandment, that can be worshiping something else, that can have our heart set up, that can be ignoring God, that can be doing it our way. The Bible uses all kinds of different ways to describe sin. If you sin, you're a slave to sin. And in slavery, you need to be set free, and that can only happen if someone else pays for you to be set free. And Jesus has paid the price for us to be set free. Now here's the thing. And we don't have time to go into it, but if you read in Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, and I'll just say this in passing, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You need to understand that when Jesus sets us free from sin, it is possible to be set free from sin. He breaks the power of sin. He sets us free. Paul even goes so far in Romans 6 to say, you're dead to sin. Now, we're going to flesh this out in a minute. But if you don't think you can ever be set free from sin, that's a pretty losing dilemma, isn't it? If you don't think you can ever be set free from sin. Well, this is just the way it's going to be. I'm going to hold on to heaven. Then you've been lied to. And it goes beyond our feelings. The truth is, when Jesus sets us free, the power of sin is broken. Now, I'm going to tell you in a bit, there's a lot of things that come in to change how we think and how we act and all that. But I just want to say, the Bible says you need to know the truth about sin. When Jesus sets us free, we're free about salvation, about our identity. And I encourage you to go back through the messages that we've done, talking about all these things. It affects our purpose in life and it affects our eternity. And here's the thing. The devil wants you fearful, confused, hopeless, ignorant, proud, asleep, blinded, helpless, apathetic, living independent of God. And we've been given weapons. We've been given the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we're going to see the Holy Spirit helping us. And we're not to be cocky in our own strength or our abilities, but we're confident in God and what Jesus has done and the truth of God's provision for his followers to overcome and to remain in the truth. And we're to keep trusting and believing Jesus through obedience to him. And hallelujah, we will overcome. That is remaining in the truth. And it gets even better. He's given us the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth. And Jesus said, John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We've been given a Helper, the Spirit of Truth, our teacher, counselor, comforter, advocate. So let's learn to work and cooperate with him. And what a double dose. We get the Word of God, and we get the Spirit of God, and we realize the Spirit of God wrote the Word of God. So he knows what he's talking about when he says, I'll remind you and I'll teach you because he wrote the Word of God. Second Peter one twenty to twenty one, Peter says, "Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And thus, the Holy Spirit is given to live in us and to bring revelation, understanding, and truth." Paul says, First Corinthians two twelve to thirteen. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, little s, but the big S Spirit, who was from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. So even a lot of Christians who don't even really necessarily even understand or believe in the Holy Spirit, they don't even realize that they wouldn't even be where they are if the Holy Spirit wasn't involved in their life. Because he reveals Jesus. He reveals Scripture. He's our teacher. He's our helper. He's our comforter, counselor. So folks, God's given us a lot of things for us to overcome. And some of those things we can't do on our own. We have to receive them from God. They're gifts. Salvation is a gift. Receiving the Holy Spirit is a gift. So we remain in the truth. But here's our part, and I'm going to focus more on this because I want to give you some practical applications. I'm trying to convince you of the yes, but then you've got to know the how. And this is the second part. Train in the truth. So we have to remain in the truth. We have to know the truth. We've got to be in the Word of God. We've got to follow Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit to help us. But we need to train in the truth. Romans 8.5, Paul says, For those who live according to the flesh, remember that talked about the flesh? I need it now. I want it now. My own way. Set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And this is where we come in. Folks, we need to get the truth in. We need to get in truth and the truth in us. 
That's our part. And that's where I said earlier, the Bible's full of make every effort. You do this. You train. You set your minds on the things of the Spirit. And folks, no one else can do that for you. So we can help you. We can try to teach you the things I'm saying this morning, things I'm trying to give you tools. I'm trying, but only you can apply them to your life. I can't do that for you. A counselor can't do that for you. Your spouse can't do that for you. Your life group can't do that for you. They can help. They point you all in the... But we have to take ownership to say, I'm going to choose to set my mind on things of the Spirit. That's our part. And folks, you can do it. Because we've been given a helper. The sword of the Spirit is provided, the Word of God. We need to train to use it properly. And that takes time and effort and study and mentoring and apprenticeship because we want to get the truth into us. It's the Word of God. That's why we pick our worship songs to make sure the words are full of truth because you're going to remember the worship songs sometimes more than what I say. Because this week you're going to be singing worship songs and that's getting truth in you. It's a lifestyle. And that's why I hope you understand why we set things up the way we have. That's why we have life group. It's you to be together to wrestle through Okay, Brent talked about this on Sunday. Joe talked about this. Gary talked about this. Didn't quite understand that. Now, how do I? That sounded good, and I want to say yes to it, but how does that get worked out into my everyday life? We need each other to help. And I struggle with this, but I've had a breakthrough in this. I'm still struggling through this. Can you pray for me? How do I learn to apply this? That's why we're providing the Bible course once a month on a Saturday morning. We're looking at the big picture of Scripture. We want to correctly handle the Word of God. That's why we have Alpha, to understand more especially for those who don't know anything about the Bible, anything about Jesus. It's a place to be able, a safe place to learn and to ask questions. We must learn to know what does God say to us as the Holy Spirit guides and leads and reveals and enlightens. The author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 5, but solid food, that is the word of God, is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Folks, that's our responsibility is to learn to discern what is right and wrong according to the word of God. By constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Because sin most of the time has to do with wrong judgment. We think this will make us happy. We think, and we're going to learn, we need to make sure it lines up with the Word of God. So the local church is important, and this is why it affects membership. It affects what we're going to talk about at the family meeting tonight. Because as good as it is, and I encourage it, we want to listen to Terry Virgo, we want to listen to John Piper, we want to listen to Ann Voskamp, all good, solid truth. But folks, it gets worked out right here. Because all those people aren't here. So it's good truth, but we need each other to get it worked out. And that's why local church is so important. Because you can get good truth into you, but you need to work it out among us. Because in life group, that's where you got to say, you know what? This week, this happened in my home, and I don't know what to do with it, and I need some help. Because no offense to Terry Virgo, John Piper, and Voskamp, if you email, if you email them, they're probably not going to get back to you. So we need these things to be worked out in a local context to train in truth. And how do we do this? One of the biggest things is we need to renew our minds because we have the world, the flesh, and the devil coming against us all the time. So I've already given some of my examples, but you need to pick if you're a student, if you're single, if you're a mom or dad, if you're a husband or wife, if you're young, you're old, you're male, you're female, I can go through the list. You've got to pick. It's the same principle no matter what you're struggling with because you have the world saying, this is going to make you happy. So you need to renew your mind to say, what does actually the Word of God say about these things? So later on, in this term, we're going to be taking a look at our finances. We're going to be talking about money and giving because we feel, as a church, 
we've got a problem that it appears worldly ways have crept into our following Jesus as a church. And we need to address those things because we need to renew our mind by the word of God and the spirit of God. Because the world says, spend your money on this, you need that, and it's a worldly value system that can affect the church. And one of the things we're trying to do as a local church and all these things is we're trying to make Christ central in our lives, in our church, and in the world. And that affects everyday life. The flesh, I can do it my way. I need it now. The devil, did God really say this? If God really loved you, would he let this happen? God's forgotten you. God doesn't really love you. Do any of us struggle with all those things? That's the tempter, the accuser, the liar. But how do you battle those things? Well, we start with God. Paul says this in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed. Do not be squeezed in. Do not take on the pattern. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to wash our minds with the word of God. We need to learn to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's our coach. He's our umpire. And I'll give you an example right from our life group this week on how the word of God and the Holy Spirit works together to help you understand right from wrong. So Kim Fenwick, who's part of our church, she's in our life group. She gave a great example this week in life group of the word of God being truth and the spirit of God working together. So she gave an example of her writing an email, had to do with conflict, and she wrote this email, and she was about to send it, and she just felt this prompting, which is the Holy Spirit, to say, don't send that. This is real life. Every day, we can all relate to this. So before she hit sent, she felt the Holy Spirit say, don't send that. Now, the Word of God says, don't react out of anger, In your anger, do not sin. That's the word of God. We know that. But the Holy Spirit brings application. It doesn't say in the Bible, don't send that email. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see how the Holy Spirit applies what the word of God does say? The word of God gives us standards and principles. The Holy Spirit brings an immediacy to it of how that applies your everyday life. So you can say, the Bible can say, don't be sexually immoral. You can say, okay, don't be sexually immoral. The Holy Spirit says, I wouldn't watch that if I were you. The Holy Spirit defines in our day and culture what the Word of God says. That's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working together. And as we renew our mind, we're taking the Word of God and saying, okay, the Bible says this, and the Holy Spirit says, now that's how that gets lived out in your life. So the Bible says, don't even let there be a hint of sexual immorality. Paul says that. Woo! Don't even let there be a hint. You can say, we debate, well, what do you think a hint means? (laughs) So there's the word of God renewing my mind. Okay, other people might get away with stuff. Other people might think that's okay, but not for me. Because the word of God says, don't even let there be a hint of sexual immorality. So other people can watch those shows. Other people can go do this. Other people can go do that. And yeah, we won't even judge them. But for me, the Holy Spirit says, not for you. And that gets into grace where a lot of things are permissible, but they're not beneficial. So my condemning you today, do not watch TV. I'm not saying that. But I'll say this. And I'll be honest with you, Angela and I, we don't, we don't get to watch much TV because we just don't have time. But we usually pick one show, and we just PVR it, and that's our one thing. We are out of shows, and we are reading through. And I'll give you one example. I'm just being totally, brutally honest with you. But I want you to understand it affects everyday life. So we had a TV show called Homeland that we saw won all these different awards. And we're like, oh, we got, it's on Netflix. Easy, an hour long, 40 minutes or whatever. We watched the first two shows, and we're just like, you know what? I like the spy stuff. I like all that. But the whole sex, violence, everything else, you know what? It's debatable. It's a good show. You know, it's not going to... But it might have been permissible, but it wasn't beneficial. And we just felt the Holy Spirit say to us, 
you don't need to be watching this. Now, am I banning you from watching Homeland? No, I'm not. Am I saying be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God? Yes, I am. Do you see the difference between legalism is don't watch TV? I'm not saying that. I'm saying renew your mind so that you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And even if other people can do stuff, the Holy Spirit might ask you not to do that. And that's why we're not legalistic because alcohol. Don't ever drink alcohol. Well, the Bible says don't get drunk on wine. So we, it's the word of God, don't get drunk. But can you have a drink? Well, that's up to you and your conscience and the Holy Spirit. So some people are like, you know what? I got alcohol in my family. I'm not even going to have a drink. That's fine. That's probably the right call. We will back you up with that, and I will not offer you a beer. But don't try to impose that on everybody else who might feel and say, you know what? I'm okay to have a, a beer. I'm not going to get drunk, but I like a glass of wine. It's actually maybe even healthy for me. <laughs> but my conscience and the Holy Spirit allow me to do that. That's renewing our mind. And the Bible says this. We're to take every thought captive. Because Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 says, for though we live in the world, we live in the world, you can't escape it. We're not going to a monastery. We're living here in Fredericton, everyday life. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We're like a border patrol. We take a thought. It's like you're at the booth, and you come up, and the border patrol is there going to ask you some questions. We're to take every thought captive. So as it comes in, does God really love you? If he did, he wouldn't allow this to happen. Oh, border patrol, I'm going to take it. I've captured it. Now I'm going to compare it to what Jesus says. Jesus says, even though, Romans 5, I was your enemy, I died for you. And if I died for you out of love when you were my enemy, how much more, as Adam just read out this morning from Romans 5, am I going to give you all things? Okay, Am I going to love you? Because I loved you when you were my enemy. Now that you're my son, how much more? So we're taking every thought captive and we're making you obedient to Jesus Christ. So, I need this now. Wait! Grab it! Capture it! Do I really need this now? No, I don't. Flesh, back off. I'm going to put the Spirit of God within me who's given me a spirit not of timidity and fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. I'm ugly. No one will ever love me. I'm capturing it. I'm comparing it. No, God loves me. And he demonstrated that love by giving his son. And he loves me so much, he's given me a spirit, and he's adopted me into his family. And I don't care what the world says, I know that's the truth, and that trumps everything else. I can't change. I'm capturing it. Border patrol, I'm taking it to the word of God. And the word of God says, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible. And we're learning to do what Jesus did, and this is our final thing. We're learning to not only take thought captive and we're saying no to the lies and to all those things, whether it's from the world, the flesh, or the devil, but you need to learn to replace it with what God does say. So Jesus is our perfect example of knowing the word of God. He is the word of God, but he knew the word of God. And being led by the Holy Spirit, he heard the Father's voice, he resisted the devil, he obeyed his Father, he renewed his mind, he took every thought captive, and he replaced the lie with truth. And three times the devil came. We can read about it in, the, in God's word in Matthew 4 with three different alternatives to God's ways. And what's even tricky is Satan even used the word of God to try to trick. So Satan knows the word of God and he's the angel of light that can, that's why I'm not going legalistic. You got to understand the context of what does the word of God say and then Holy Spirit, how does this get applied? But Jesus knew the word of God and he chose a specific scripture to combat each alternative. And that's the key. And here's the key thing. Because sometimes I can say, well, Jesus did this. And you can say, wow, Jesus, the Son of God. Of course Jesus didn't give in to temptation. But you don't know me. Jesus didn't use his divine power to take on Satan. He took on Satan as a man, and he quoted the Word of God. There's nothing Superman about what Jesus did. He did what we can do. So he didn't use his divine 
power. He didn't send a lightning bolt to send Satan away. As a man, putting aside his divinity, of course he was still divine, but he didn't use that in this situation. He used what we can use. He used the word of God. I love that because that gives us hope today, doesn't it? And Satan says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Okay, now taking every thought captive, I'm going to make it obedient to what the word of God says. And Jesus said no to it, and he replaced it with the word of God. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, Deuteronomy 8.3. And he did that the second time, and he did that the third time. So he took it captive, he made it obedient, and he replaced it with it is written. Because it's no good just to say no to something. You've got to replace it with a yes to something else. Otherwise, you're still focused on the no. And you've got to replace it with, it is written. And folks, we can all do that. As we know the Word of God, as we help each other out. Now, here's the key, key thing. You need to get in the Word of God because you need to find some strategic verses to help you with what you're tempted with. So if you get tempted with something, you just say, there's no way I can resist that temptation. There's no way. I've been through here before. I've well, I got to go around this mountain, but I keep failing every time. You need 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It is written, no temptation has seized you or me except that which is common to man. It's common to all of us. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle or bear. But when you are tempted, when you are tempted, you will be tempted because we're in a battle. He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. It is written. And that truth trumps your addictions and everything else. It is written. There's power in the word of God. You just can't say no to something. You've got to replace it with it is written. That's what Jesus did. He's our example. And Satan had to flee. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. How do you resist the devil? The word of God and the spirit of God using the sword of the spirit. Are you stressed out and worried? You need this. You need Philippians 4, 6. Don't, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I can go through and I can give you scripture after scripture for every specific thing that we get tempted with. But our part is to train ourselves so that we're ready with the sword to go on guard because <laughs> at first we're defending aren't we chink, chink, chink. we're kind of backtrack no no but then we go on the attack it is written <laughs> <laughs> now am i chasing the devil away in my own strength nope am i cowering in fear fear not so sometimes the sword of spirit is this we're on the defensive we're taking every thought captive. Oh, man, how does I... Uh, but when we go, it is written, the battle changes. Because Jesus has overcome and seated. Satan is a defeated foe. And the word of God is powerful and living and active. And when we say it is written and we correctly handle the word of God, we go on the offensive. And folks, if we can learn to do that, what you once were addicted to and sin patterns and thought patterns and things from our past, we begin to know legally it's broken. So the chain's broken, but I need to move away from that past. I need to wait, move away from that way of thinking. I need to move away from that crowd, maybe even for a season. All those different things. But first of all, I've got to know that it's broken. And then, what's my part? Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free that same truth also keeps you free. And our time's gone here this morning. But I'm hoping, my heart is, I want to give you tools for you to apply the Word of God with the help of the Spirit of God to live holy lives. That's where we started out with set apart life, set apart from the world, the flesh, and the devil, set apart to be used by God. It's a process. It is, I need the t-shirt, a thousand little choices to say no to the devil, no to the flesh, no to the world, 
by taking every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ, and replacing it with, it is written. Folks, that is the overcoming life. Does it require work? Yes, it does. Does it require work to believe a lie and to do it? Yes, it does. So what are you going to spend your energy on? Sin or in following Jesus? And he has given us his divine nature. He's given us his precious promises. He's given us everything we need to overcome. So there's God's part. He makes it possible. There's our part to be in truth, to remain in truth, to train ourselves in truth through what we listen to, what we put into ourselves, all those different things, to renew our minds that we know that the culture says this, but the Word of God says this. My flesh says this, but the Word of God says this. The devil lies about this, but the Word of God says this. And folks, if we can encourage each other, and that's why we need each other, that whatever we're struggling with, we need to encourage each other and say, Joel and Becky, remember, it is written. We need to help each other and say, you know what, I've got a weapon for you. Have you ever thought about this verse? That might help you in that thing. And we need to memorize it. Oh, we've got to memorize, yes. We've got to train our minds. And we can help each other to not only ourselves be overcomers, we can help others to overcome in Christ. Okay, let me pray for us. And then we need to apply this every single day. So in your life groups this week, you've got to be real with each other and help each other out. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you this morning that you're good, that you are holy, that you're set apart. There's no other like you. And we thank you that you've made a way through Jesus Christ for us to be set free from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we thank you that you save us not only to get us out of our own mess and out of an eternity apart from you, but you save us to live a holy and blameless life that brings you honor and glory. And I thank you this morning that you have made a way, you've made provision through your Son, through your Word, through the Spirit of truth for us to not only be free, but to stay free and to be set apart, to honor you and to be used for your purposes in your plans for your glory. And God, I pray for every single person here this morning. We all struggle and battle with different things. God, I pray, would you help Spirit of truth? Would you take these things and help us to apply them to our lives, for your glory, for our good and the good of our church and our community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.